This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, July 26, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Occupational licensing often keeps otherwise qualified people on the sidelines of the economy. In Tennessee, the licensing of certain lawyers in the state may well target part-time attorneys, and that often means working mothers. Cato's Vanessa Brown Calder details how this particular hurdle stands in the way of flexible work and competitive markets. Occupational licensing is a sort of uh, a big cause for people who love liberty. Um, It's shocking when you learn the fraction of the American workforce that is required to have a government permission slip in order to do a job, uh, even if everyone around them might agree that they're good at it. Um, You wanted to talk a little bit about this specific area, which is legal licensing, that is licensing lawyers, which of course is a type of uh, license for an occupation. What is uh, the state of Tennessee doing with uh, licensing attorneys? Just backing up a little bit, um, I think that people know sort of generally in general terms, even non-lawyers know that You know, the licensing process is pretty arduous for lawyers. Um, Lawyers are licensed by the state that they practice in. And lawyers, in order to qualify and be admitted to practice, they have to have a certain type of education, have to have graduated from, um, you know, a law school. Um, They have to also take the bar exam. And what non-lawyers may not know about the bar exam is that this test isn't typically something that you just come out of law school and take and just breeze through. It's often something that requires months to prepare for, even for people that have just recently graduated from law school. Um, And I I have a friend actually who described taking out around a a $10,000 loan to cover the expenses of foregone income and exam preparation materials and exam fees, transportation, lodging, et cetera, that's necessary for this multi-month undertaking of preparing for, studying for, and then successfully passing the exam. The test itself occurs over the course of two days. So that was a lot of kind of background material to really get to the answer to your question, which is what is Tennessee doing or what what states are, you know, what are states doing um, right now? A lot of states are actually moving towards something called a universal bar exam, which actually makes reciprocal licensing between states easier because people are taking the same bar exam test. And so you can compare scores and things like that. And there is actually reciprocal licensing for lawyers in a variety of of different states. But some states make this harder than others. And um, I think about eight states actually don't do any form of reciprocal licensing at all. Um, One of the states where licensing is more difficult uh, is Tennessee. And I think that's what we're really here to talk about today. In Tennessee, reciprocity of legal licensing requires full-time work experience. If a lawyer has not been working full-time for five of the last seven years, then they are required to take the Tennessee bar exam again, or else they're not allowed to practice in Tennessee if they're moving from another state. Um, That might seem like an innocuous requirement, but as we've already discussed, taking the bar exam is costly, both in time and in money, and it's an arduous process and um, may not be easy for somebody to take the time off, the months off to prepare. 
Um, and certainly is it, it's even harder probably for the demographic that this type of rule hits. So who are the people who are most affected by a rule that requires full-time work in order to practice outside the state? Well, we sort of know what part-time workers, what that demographic group looks like. Um, of the the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, looked at voluntary part-time workers uh, probably five years back, and they found that, you know, about two-thirds of that population were women. And among those women, the most common reason for part-time work was family or personal obligations. Um, we also know uh, there's other evidence that for lawyers specifically, um, the mo most part-time lawyers also look like that more general sort of demographic of part-time workers and that they're typically women, specifically mothers with young children or with children. Um, and so I think that there's something to be said here. I mean, lawyers are maybe not typically the most sympathetic group in the world. Um, but, you know, when parents are taking time off from the workforce, whether that's a few months or whether they are working part time for years so that they can meet personal obligations and professional obligations, uh, I think that we want to be careful that state laws don't penalize those type of workers or that demographic group. Um, as you're well aware, Caleb, you know, it's hard to be a parent and, um, you know, have demanding professional obligations on top of that. Um, and Tennessee's licensing rule, I think, gives mothers, fathers, parents, um, something that they can they they can sort of not only be fearful of the possible penalization of you know taking time away to work um taking time away to work in the home take care of personal and family obligations but they are actually ensured that they will be penalized for doing that uh if they are to move to the state of Tennessee so that i think is truly unfortunate and ensures that the legal profession misses out on talent Ultimately, with respect to the specific reciprocity question, it, does that mean that Tennessee is also rejecting reciprocity with attorneys from other states who are not practicing full time? Yes, that's right. Unless they take the bar exam, in which case um, they can be admitted if they successfully pass the Tennessee bar. So but otherwise they they would be prohibited from from practicing law there if they have part time experience before they move. So that seems like the the real sort of protectionist policy that is we don't want these attorneys from other states. We want to we want to reduce the potential population of attorneys practicing in our state who have not passed the Tennessee bar. I think that's right. And I think, you know, the people that make these rules, that make these licensing rules, um, certainly in the case of legal licensing, they are lawyers that have already been admitted to practice, right? So um, it's no sweat for them if they, you know, raise the bar a little bit higher um, and they make it a little bit more difficult to practice. And that's sort of the problem with licensing in general is that the people making these rules are people that already are employed and already, um, you know, have some professional security. And so there's a lot of kind of, you know, throwing up barriers and trying to keep people out. Um, and that's beneficial to the folks that already have a job. Let's broaden this a bit because the extent to which 
part-time workers are discriminated against, people who would like to have one foot in the workforce and one foot at home, uh, they, there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of regulations that essentially prevent those people from finding that best mix for themselves. Yes, I think that's absolutely correct. There are a whole variety of different workplace regulations that make it more difficult for working parents to work part-time or to work flexibly or even to work remote. Um, you know, there are things like local labor regulations that make workplaces more rigid to protect workers. And I sort of say, you know, so-called protect workers because a lot of workers actually want workplace flexibility and um, they don't want to be protected. Um, they, uh, you know, would like to set their own hours, decide when their lunch breaks are, um, you know, schedule time off. They, a lot of workers, um, you know, sort of prefer the model of get the job done. You know, like the main goal is just get the job done and you sort of decide how to schedule yourself within the confines of getting the job done that you're being paid to do. Um, and there's a lot of local labor re regulations that really should be reformed to accommodate families with the needs for flexible work. And there's regulations that limit gig economy work and make flexible work more diff difficult to come by for parents, which is also a problem. And we sort of know the Biden administration is really focused on um, they 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 call it ending the abusive practice of misclick misclassifying employees as independent contractors, but I, I think we would characterize it a little bit differently. And it's really the wrong approach to try to um, cut down on the number of uh, workers that have this flexibility inherent in their work and gig economy workers have that. They can set their own hours, decide when they go out and do their job. And um, that's you know very helpful to, to them. There's other things that we could talk about as well. Obviously, we don't have all the time in the world today, but home-based business regulations, um, you know, currently zoning bans and restricts many types of home-based businesses, and that's a huge problem. Um, you know, there are places like Rhode Island, for example, where uh, moms can be shut down for selling something as benign as home-baked cookies. That's quite unfortunate, I think. Um, and of course, there are occupational licensing laws just more generally. We've talked about lawyers today, but in every other area of industry, um, and that makes it uh, more difficult uh, to accommodate flexible work. Um, so, so there's a lot of things to look at here and a lot of things that need to really be changed in order to open the workplace up and make it easier for parents to have kids. Vanessa Brown Calder directs Opportunity and Family Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Please subscribe and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.